0: Welcome back to the Four Gardens Podcast. I'm Jake Ifshin. The Four Gardens is an approach to cultivate a life of balance, joy, and abundance by focusing on four key areas. On this show, I talk to people inspiring me in those areas of health, nature, creativity, and service. To learn more, go to fourgardenspodcast.com and follow at fourgardenspodcast on Instagram. Make sure to like and subscribe to hear new episodes and support this project. If you're listening to the podcast, take a minute to check out our YouTube channel, which features short video clips from the podcast, as well as engaging original content, such as the first Four Gardens vlog. My guest today is Luke Montleon, a life purpose coach and the founder of Purpose State. He's an experienced founder and digital strategist with 10 plus years of experience building brands in the fashion, wellness, and entertainment industries. Luke possesses a deep passion for storytelling through digital content and cultivating communities around purpose with proven results. I've been working with Luke over the past four months as a business coach on the Four Gardens podcast, and he's helped me grow this project through his wealth of experience and his compassionate guidance. I'm looking forward to my conversation with Luke. Let's jump right in. Luke, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure, Jake. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I've been excited for this conversation as you've been someone who's really supported my work and finding my voice with this podcast. And not only that, but helping me get the word out and the message out around self-cultivation and the four gardens. So thank you for that. Absolutely brother. It's been an honor to support you.
1: And I'm just so excited at what's really unfolded with four gardens
0: podcast and in the whole community that's being built here yeah i really felt you rooting for me all along the way and celebrating each milestone we've had since we started this collaboration amen so happy to hear that yeah it's been it's been a good journey so far and looking forward to continuing and noticing that you've supported me on my purpose right now so four gardens and supporting people to find life balance to cultivate their thriving self has been become my mission And so I see the business coaching work is connected to the life purpose coaching you do. Uh, I'd love to give you a chance to uh, explain a little bit of what it is. What is life purpose coaching and and life purpose?
1: Great question. Well, I have my specific um, bias and lens that I see it through. But for me, purpose, which we'll start with, is really, I believe this, Inevitable journey that we all are on as part of this human experience. Uh, Obviously, we can talk about the totality of our soul, but we're here having this human experience. And I believe it's really the reason that we're here. And so much of that, I think we've been sort of uh, maybe indoctrinated or led to believe in Western cultures, sort of associated with maybe the contribution that we have, or rather what we do you know, uh, with our lives specifically from the masculine end of things, what we do with our careers. You know, we look at the Steve jobs and the Elon Musk of the world in present day and think, wow, maybe those guys are really living out their purpose because they're doing something that's really grand. And I'm taking it, you know, a little bit further back, uh, towards the core of what's the reason that each of us came to live here. And of course, Perhaps none of us can truly know this for certain. And a number of spiritual philosophies have alluded to this in various forms. But for me, I look at purpose as really this road back to wholeness. And I guess the question is, well, why? And when I look at what's sort of disconnected us from this maybe innate state That I believe we possess that's you know fully connected to our soul that's connected to essentially this concept of oneness um I I look at the culprit you know perhaps lack of better words being trauma the thing that disconnects us early in life usually beyond um anything that we can control we're born often into circumstance you know, depending on what you subscribe to, um, you know, I guess the question is: did we choose to come into the uh, families of origins or the family of origin, or really the circumstances that we were born into, that we were raised within the environment, the container? And so each of us, I believe, sort of experiences inevitable, this inevitable amount of trauma in whatever capacity. Uh, obviously, some of us more so than others uh, within the mental health space. You know, there's a di- definitely a key difference between capital T trauma and the more nuanced traumas, which which I believe again is is really just disconnecting us from our bodies, from our essence, from our spirit, from our our minds, from one another, um, and really knowing who we are. And so when I think of purpose, it's very much a healing process. It's very much a a journey of self-discovery, yes, but even more so of being able to begin to shed the layers of the not-self. And that process takes us into um, quite a bit of historical context of how did we become disconnected? right? Back to the trauma. How did we essentially kind of get off track from this really authentic expression that I would argue we, we knew when we were young, who we were. And conditioning, circumstance, trauma itself tends to be the things that knock us off that path. So I believe it's an inhe- it's an inherent part of being a human being. It's also a cause for a lot of suffering. But if we can maybe reframe it a bit, we begin to see, I think, that it's inextricably linked to our purpose in life.
0: I'm finding this really interesting, this reframing of purpose as, I'm hearing it as almost the end state, the goal. We're getting to, we want to get back to purpose and what you're saying in a way I'm desiring to be connected to my purpose. And mm. hearing that, um, the first thing you said was about how we're conditioned. There's this conditioning around career and work. Identity is and career are so linked in our society. In my experience and your experience, we both, we've talked about that and our friendship and how that's been part of both of our journeys and part of both of our works. Uh, and so I hear that's something that, we, we, that is coming from not self. You described it that way, coming from outside, outside right? And that, But then I like how you talk, when you zoom back, it is trauma that is the beginning of this. that shapes us, I guess, in a way that these traumas that shape us, um, maybe, would you say shape how we relate to that conditioning in society? it's putting on us too, is going to be trauma. Say some more about uh, defining trauma, I guess. I think this is a great way into your work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, they're definitely sort of interwoven into one another and conditioning itself can be traumatic. If it's taking us away from our authenticity, if it's taking us away from, you know, who we truly feel that we are. Uh, I know I work with a number of clients that have been, including myself, that have just been conditioned based around expectation, based around, you know, being shoved down, you know, their throats, a specific religious indoctrination, right? Or this is what we do in our culture. And believe it or not, but we're not all born to be cookie cutter or imprints. You know of our of our of our parents or our care, childhood caretakers and so yes i mean trauma itself i think it's so nuanced and historically we've kind of reserved the term for more of the capital t's right. you know act, acts of violence um, obviously um full just you know disclaimer here on trigger warning you know rape um sexual abuse various forms of physical abuse emotional abuse all the abuses and The reality is it can be very, very nuanced when it comes to taking us off track.
0: So I think trauma is really the focus. Say a little more, too, about how these nuanced traumas, maybe even an example from your life, how one of these more subtle traumas or nuanced, I like that word, uh, has showed up for you recently and how you've worked with it to get back to purpose.
1: Mm. Well... The biggest one I've been working with lately, and I don't know if it would be classified as necessarily small trauma, but it it actually involved my birth and my birth, which was very much unbeknownst to me having any significance in my life. um, My first experience upon landing on this rock um, was being pulled out of the womb, you know, out of my mother with a forceps. And because I was born prematurely and to a mother who had type one diabetes at the time, um, they wanted to run tests and, you know, I think I was jaundiced and they wanted, you know, to pump me full of antibiotics. And so I was underneath the incubator, uh, in the incubator for about 10 days. And unbeknownst to me up until recently, you know, that was a very traumatic event and, I'm realizing how, you know, by way of my internal system specifically, like how my nervous system really started to shape around this trauma, right. And, and how my attachment system really started to come online and sort of start to um, take on adaptive qualities as a means of survival. And, So when I'm looking at, you know, this this strong pattern of avoidance in my present day, or really something that I've been working through as of late. So I'd like to say I'm moving away from avoidance, which I think maybe we'll get into in a little bit in regards to the attachment styles. Yeah. Yeah. And I look at sort of my baseline with my nervous system that typically was kind of in a survival state, you know, in the fight or flight state, sympathetic activation, uh, which resulted in things like a lot of rage and anger as a young child you know dealing with this dysregulation in my body you know i start to understand why i was the way that i was or why i am the way that i am and so something that has created sort of a low-grade suffering and a constant one at that which of course has this real compounding effect on my life as it's shown up in each respective area at different times throughout my life here on earth. Um, it's created a lot of pain. And so without me knowing that, which of course, very few of us, if any of us, we're not supposed to have really any explicit memory of our birth itself. Um, this kind of thing was very much existing far beyond my cognitive faculties you know, my, 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 uh, explicit memory. And so it was just creating you know, a low-grade suffering for me. And so what I've had to do in terms of how it relates to purpose to answer your question is really begin to sort of, um, yes, there's been a healing process involved with that. And a lot of that is is learning what are the nuances that specifically within a relational context, especially within the context of my relationship to the feminine, right? My mother in this case, What is the type of nurturance, the type of ways that I need to be met that are going to create this corrective experience for me, my body, my soul to be able to come back into more of this regulated um, sort of state of peace? You know, the desired states that kind of exist across the spectrum of, you know, self-help and a number of
0: spiritual
1: um, uh, disciplines. So yeah, does that kind of answer your
0: question? It does. Yeah. And uh, just to follow up, what are some of the tools you've used or strategies to work with that particular trauma and your relationships to the feminine?
1: Well, I love to get very experiential with it. Um, I've actually had some, uh, wonderful sort of mo- mentors and guides along the way that, uh, are very well attuned. They're very, I guess, well-versed in attachment theory and a number of other somatic, you know, somatic experiencing and embodiment practices. And so, you know, things like attuned touch um, from the feminine, uh, being just supported, you know, being in relationship with a secure attachment from that was, that that is of the feminine, a woman in this case, um, has been incredibly healing as I've navigated Um, some of the ongoing insecurities that I've faced specifically around, you know, my professional pursuits and really going out into what historically has felt like risky territory. Um, I've had that secure base in these sort of strategic spiritual mentors and partners where they've been able to not only attune to my needs, but they've really began to show me what's possible in terms of asking for what I need. And that's made really all the difference for me um, because I'm getting what I truly need to, to
0: evolve in that capacity. I really feel that's a little bit, I feel, uh, feel that emotionally and that it's just mm. beautiful that to notice, to hear that you're getting what you need and that you've learned your awareness. is. I'm observing how your awareness grew around this. Trauma, and that allowed you to find the practices, ask for what you need, learn to do, do some real inner work to relate to the feminine in a different way, to relate to yourself. So mm-hmm. really, uh, it's really a powerful example of this, Luke. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for mirroring that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. you. Know. Um, as you were sharing too about unremembered traumas of the birth experience for you, actually, where I went, the first place I went was to working in an early childhood education and realizing, Mm. talk about how conditioning can be a trauma, Uh, the receiving of conditioning, which is, you know, who's doing that? It's the education system. It's our parents. Uh, You know, not blaming anybody in particular here. You don't know what you don't know. (laughs) And I think about how, wow, I witnessed, look, first I want to say children are very resilient and they're the ones, the coping strategies we talk about, they are so creative to come up with coping strategies to handle all kinds of tense situations that children create, the, you know, that they then leave as an inheritance to our older selves. Um, but I witness a lot of things in the education business or education field, I should say, of um, of the way children are disciplined or taught to talk to one another, like around you know, yeah. teachers aren't often equipped with NVC or restorative justice or some of the... the these modalities that usually are not, you right. know, most of our school teachers were not, maybe I'd say none had tools like that, or parents even had uh, the ability to facilitate, to not discipline without using shame or without using violence. Right. Those are like our traditional right. or to not or to not, um, not just with discipline, but with, um, with how we resolve conflict in our life, like a lot of, I know a common thing in my life or other people's, we avoid conflict, or we avoid, we're not taught to meet the other. And Our emotions or in our vulnerability too. So I was thinking about that and realizing that that to me is a a major source of this unremembered trauma Mm. that we're experiencing that's nuanced. It's not like, it doesn't necessarily mean you were beaten or you had any kind of these terrible situations you named in your life, but just by going through childhood (laughs) uh, in the world, you have been, have received shame, conditioning, uh, and violence in some ways, or of repression so I That's certainly right. have. Yeah. So I'm yeah, curious to your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. So you're absolutely right. You know, when you're talking about the education system, there's not nearly enough, uh, especially trauma informed educators um, that are really learning. I, I think first and foremost, the education system has been built around sort of really a cookie cutter approach um, filtering kids through a system with specific expectations that everyone's, I hate to say it sort of, you know, the children are sort of being herded like cattle through the public education systems. And of course we could go on a complete tangent with that one, but yeah, to your point is it's really important, especially during these developmental years, these critical years of these children's lives that they, they have some source of, you know, real attunement, in order to, especially in the, in the context of being able to self-actualize, right? Being able to step into what I call purpose, they need a support system that can really um, help guide them in their truth so that they can ultimately be fully expressed. And rather than being conditioned, indoctrinated, told what they are, what they, what their possibilities are in life, right? And and we could be talking about the next Albert Einstein's. We could be talking about you know the, uh, the person who wants to cure cancer, um, or who has the capacity to and we're we're essentially filtering them through a system or we're giving them specific options, you know, you either can become this or you can become that. And I think logically speaking, you know, maybe there's some merit to it, but when we start to talk about the nuances of trauma and really the 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 intricate nature of the soul of each of each of us human beings, who I believe is unique in our own capacity, um, you know, that requires a whole different approach. Let's just say, I don't think the public school system has the bandwidth to be able to accommodate (laughs) that, (laughs) which is, which is challenging because, you know, in in today's society is we're really kind of expecting these teachers, these educators, you know, you even in this case to almost be this, um, you know, sort of parent like figure for these children because they're spending so many hours together and us as human beings, we're can, we're just can, we're getting less and less time and therefore less and less energy and bandwidth to be a parent, to be able to show up in those really, really important ways.
0: Yeah. I think you've really accurately diagnosed the challenge that parents and teachers both face now in today's systems. I do think that was uh spot on. And I also think this intricate nature of the soul that you named too this, um, way humans have been limited. I feel like we found a common ground here with you know, four gardens and purpose state of how do we how do we cultivate the expression of the intricate nature of the soul? To cultivate that is my question, coming to purpose back to the deeper purpose of that soul is I feel like a, a one way of posing like, around your work too, very connected work we're doing. Yeah. And I think that we're inheriting some of the, this is one reason I'm so fascinated on trauma now too and conditioning is that when we're thinking about guiding people and supporting people, we're dealing with the inherited conditioning and traumas that if we're not aware of the systems that are causing that uh, and how those systems actually impact different people of different backgrounds and privilege in different ways, then we can't really support people or really offer methodologies and systems and guidance to help people really thrive and really get into purpose and be their full self. And so I just really thought that was uh, well said. Oh, you're
1: so right. Yeah, it's so important that we have context to really be able to relate and empathize in order to guide these souls, um, really to their unique, authentic expression. And that takes a lot, even as a practitioner. And you probably realize this is we're, I'm I'm learning every single day, you know, more and more about various cultures and backgrounds and ethnicities and, and you name it, that tend to have more generational traumas and. Uh, patterns that are passed on so yes i absolutely agree
0: talk a little more about if you're open to sharing how you've your journey to purpose so how you came to purpose state and what really brought you some of the key moments in your journey that brought you to this awareness that purpose state is your purpose yeah so
1: i've so it really it really starts in my childhood You know, I, I'm definitely practicing what I'm preaching and I experienced, I think a lot of pain. I know a lot of pain in my childhood because, you know, of course I, I do not blame, um, my, my parents at all. Um, my father specifically, but he had a very, he, he had a very specific sort of idea of what he wanted me to be in life. And it was a lot different then, um, what my soul was calling me to do, to be, to, you know, express myself as, and this has created a lot of sort of discord, um, a lot of, uh, conflict within my, my household, um, and with my family of origin growing up, um, and perhaps was a source of much of my anger and rage that I experienced early on from about three years old forward. And, So it really starts there, Jake. And, you know, realizing that deep within my being, I have this tremendous amount of empathy. And, you know, again, I I think that perhaps the thing that we need most is what we give best. Um, Based on that principle, you know, what I've really needed most in my life and what I've strived to achieve and pretty much everything that I do is a sort is is essentially freedom is a freedom of expression is learning how to become unapologetically confident in first and foremost yeah you know, who i am but really learning and going through this process of figuring out who i am beyond the conditioning beyond the adaptations to trauma and that itself i think is is what i work with my clients on that's what I've had to figure out for myself, obviously, through uh, working with some really incredible mentors, but having to put together my own system, because there really wasn't anything out there that was specifically made for me, uh, believe it or not. And so purpose state is really a culmination of all these different sort of modalities. And, you know, my experience, which as you and I have um, worked on. It also includes a a pretty elaborate background in the area of business and entrepreneurship. And I've always had this desire to really, um, to strive for excellence in my life. I've been very achievement oriented. So while I'd say that's definitely based in trauma in some capacity, um, it's created quite a bit of a, a, a sort of a, a work ethic and a desire to do something of significance, um, in my life, to, to leave a lasting impact. And so purpose state was really sort of born from that place and being able to consolidate all of my many, many interests for those of you that follow human design. I am a manifest generator, so I have many, many things that I'm interested in, um, and, you know, learning that that wasn't necessarily wrong, but the background that I came from made that sort of wrong. So, again, finding my truth, finding um, who I was deep within and, and how that needed to be expressed. And let's I'll say this much. It looked a lot different than the expectations that were placed on me as a child. And, of course, unconsciously, I, I was trying to live up to that. Um Consciously in my mind as a young man, as an adult, I rebelled and it created essentially this dissonance and uh, led to a number of, of costly mistakes, you know, emotionally costly. But now I get to help my clients um, through purpose state navigate these this sort of inevitable process of sort of shedding the not self so that the the core essence of this unique human being can come forth in an environment that supports that person to be self actualized and fully expressed. So hopefully that
0: answers your question. I know there's a lot to it. That's a that's a great great answer and I I one par- a couple parts stuck out to me that I want to revisit which are about you I- Describe yourself as a person with deep empathy, which I, I would agree with. Right? I've always felt your empathy and that being a strong suit of yours. And Thank you. And also your business background too. You started a number of companies and you've done a lot of work in business and entrepreneurship. And I, I'm just like, feel this curiosity coming up around how to balance deep empathy, which can be very tactically advantageous to be, have empathy. And it can be very crippling to have empathy too, right? It can be limiting. And actually a lot of people who don't have a lot of empathy are rewarded in the business world because they're willing to fire a lot of people or cut a lot of costs or do extractive things to the environment. And that's what I would describe as non-empathetic to other beings to do those kind of actions. So absolutely. wondering how that has been been in your business journey, how you found, I, I see the end point here as where you are now holding a lot of empathy and business unified together here in your business, but that journey too of of and how you see that as weaving? that's such a great question um <clears throat> so
1: yeah it's been a it's been a journey jake i'll tell you that much i you know back to the trauma i i i underneath this sort of very emotionally i would almost say numb child was a very, very, very sensitive empathic young man and soul. And so most of my life, I've been engaging in various coping mechanisms and adaptations that have moved me further and further away from, in a sense, having empathy of having to feel that pain um, of navigating this world and, 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 really trying to survive and make something of myself, um, not only in the environment that I grew up in, but just being a human on this planet during this time. And so I've been on the extreme end where literally I felt like I had no empathy. I was following more of, you know, the, the Steve Jobs of the world who were praised And, you know, put on a pedestal for making these really executive sort of emotional, emotionless decisions. Um, And in reality, we're we're learning, wow, that's actually a a pretty terrible quality um, that maybe is uh, has carries some value in the the world of entrepreneurship from maybe, you know, a board of directors standpoint or a shareholder stakeholder standpoint standpoint. But as far as uh, like being a, a good human being, a decent human being, who, especially in this day and age where if you really want to be a true leader, you absolutely need empathy. You need empathy. I think it, it is perhaps the meta skill of our generation because we don't need more unempathetic Steve Jobs like CEOs who are quote unquote running the world because where has that gotten us? Look around us. Not been good. Yeah, it has not been good. So we're looking, I think, for very heart-centered leaders to step forth. Um, it has been a process for me to to reconnect with that deep well of empathy that I possess. I find myself crying on the regular, um, just expressing some of these repressed emotions that have been there since I was a you know a toddler uh, and before. And um, it's really, I think, helped me soften in such a beautiful way that I'm able to, to meet my clients um, and my colleagues in ways that really contribute to their self-actualization, to their um, greatest performance, if we want to call that, uh, both in their personal lives and their professional lives. So I think it is of immense um importance and I that's imagine your question
0: meet yourself too with those qualities. And meeting myself. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. That's that's been a you know, I know that's part of your journey too, is finding that compassion for yourself and that you talk about softening too. And I've experienced this softening, softening those voices of self judgment and of self criticism of self mm. too is um when you do self hatred. Self hatred. Yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. That's part of it too. And I'm also inspired to help support those leaders rise up too, that are going to lead with that vision. Absolutely. And we need
1: to support one another. Yes. It feels like in some respects we are working against um, sort of the status quo in the business world.
0: We are. Right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a toxic masculine culture. We could definitely say that you talked about the numbness. It wasn't your word, but the lack of empathy, which I would say, the, the numbing of the leader of the man of uh, um, this impression of the leader as as cold and as calculating and uh, not mm. fun feeling, uh, and at least there's been some cultural blowback against that, cultural backlash against leadership that way, but it's still far too too weak. I think we need more. We need that. We, I want to strengthen that call to get into, to be asking for men that are going to be, that are feeling and women too. I mean, I think the masculine affects male-bodied and female-bodied people and the patriarchal systems are in all of us. So I think that Absolutely. there's a lot of work to challenge, to challenge these and to, and I think it brings us back to where we started this conversation too, around healing and purpose. You know, you see every, every company now has its mission statement, its yes. value statement. It has to. There's an expectation that a company is gonna have values. And there's a lot of greenwashing and a lot of uh, a lot of chicanery going on and performative oh, yeah. uh, value signaling type stuff. But at the same time, there's there's something real about that that is growing of the idea of transitioning these organizations to um, out of that as, or like transitioning them into something new that needs to happen right yeah. now. Absolutely. It's definitely a start.
1: It's a start, and obviously, as we've kind of dug into, it's there's a lot of depth to it, and it can be very, very nuanced, especially when we start talking about um, the way that we're treating that the people that are working for such organizations. Right.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's it. I know that you work with people involved in organizations and large organizations, and interacted with these kinds of you know these are the. Um, everybody's interacting with large governments, large companies in, in, their, in their day-to-day lives. I know you are too. And uh, I think about um, just people who are coming to this podcast and want to start deepening into their purpose, asking these questions. Maybe they're not yet ready to work with you too, but they're at the point sure. of just wanting to come out of this interview and listening to this and um, start, to, start to do that self-exploration and that self-awareness journey that you've been on. So where are you, yeah. what are some of the, the key tools to start learning about trauma and to start getting towards purpose?
1: Definitely. So I'm going to first and foremost, um, plug my free masterclass Please do. that is on purpose state.com forward slash masterclass. If you want to go straight there. And that is, um, that's a great resource because I've actually been able to really track back and, and be able to create a concise explanation of how I believe that trauma itself and this conditioning is directly correlated and inextricably linked to our purpose in life. Um, on that note, you know, I really think that so much of this, like our purpose goes hand in hand with really self discovery. And I think kind of the paradox that I was referring to earlier is that it's not as first and foremost the steps towards self-discovery are releasing the parts of not self shedding the parts of not self by way of excavating those pieces that have been conditioned and projected onto us um that are taking us in the wrong direction they're taking us further away from our authentic expression so i think that that's a really um foundational piece of of really finding your purpose of living your purpose And a lot of the stuff that you're doing, Jake, with four gardens of, um, of digging into these various parts of our lives of, you know, the journal prompts and the community-based mirrors and, you know, the inquiries that you're presenting with, you know, getting people to really be self-reflective and, um, you know, that goes a long way that goes a really long way. So, Just continuing to inquire within, Um, obviously, you know, meditation, acts of stillness, uh, removing ourselves from the noise. You know, a lot of that noise is just continuing to reinforce these beliefs or these sort of ego constructs that aren't even ours. They're not ours at all. They're a result of trauma. They're a result of conditioning. They're a result of the society, the environment at large that we've grown up in, that we've been a part of. Um, so, so much of it is just cultivating awareness. And I think that's Four Gardens, four gardens does such a great job with that. And also yeah. in my masterclass, um, yeah. And the journal that I, um, I'm also offering for free on my website, uh, there's a lot of great questions in there that are gonna start pointing you in the right direction.
0: I would highly recommend that too to do that work with Luke. Check out his website linked in the description below. And yeah, I'm thinking too of having all these tools now and all this knowledge um, you've acquired. I mean, you really I've learned a lot from you, and you've uh, I know you've made it in a really? focus of your life to do this work and healing and purpose work. And I think you know we were talking about our younger selves earlier. I feel like curiosity coming up of what would you say to yourself at a different point in your life now that you have the tools that you have now and the experience, and you could pick any point, maybe you could say five years ago, maybe 2016, because so I saw that in your story that that was a sort of pivotal transition time. What yeah. would the messages be you would give to that younger Luke? Yeah, I think first and foremost, I would just
1: really love to, to meet him with a lot more softness and compassion um, taking these pressures, speaking of conditioning off of him that were projected through his childhood, through the various influences that he had as a young man, as, as a child, um, this sort of expectation to perform, to achieve, you know, th- those things, they led to burnout. And in 2016, you know, my nervous system was shot. I felt I was definitely in my quote-unquote rock bottom. Um, and, you know, that child, that that version, that younger part of me um, that was really suffering in those moments, Just it needed a lot of softness. And, you know, from there, I think I would have been able to pick myself back up with more grace and less um, sort of harshness, you know, back to the, talking about the inner critic, talking about, you know, the, the self-hatred for me that was coming up during that time. And yeah, just giving myself permission to just be, to really accept, to, to know that right where I was at that moment was exactly where I supposed to be. Because according to society, according to my family of origin, it wasn't okay. It wasn't okay for me to be in the depths of my despair. It wasn't okay for me to not be producing, for me to not be expanding and excelling and creating wealth and creating, creating just period. And, you know, I've would help that younger (laughs) version of me really know that this is a generational pattern, generational um, curse, if we want to call it that, that has, been there long before me and it hasn't worked out well for those that, that have come before me and so i would really love to bring it a higher state of awareness around these things that i've been cultivating
0: ever since through the personal work it's just a fascinating thing to imagine so i love the way you approached your younger self there and thinking of this mm. idea of getting a coach as a coach and guide getting to guide and mentor Younger Luke, I think about that for myself too. How would I do that? And I, I guess we don't, since we don't ever get to literally do that so much. We there's a mirror of that, I think, in getting to talk to younger people or receive guidance from elders too. Where I find myself Ooh. in my 30s, now we're both in our 30s, speaking to someone in their 20s and saying, you know, it's okay that you don't know that answer right now. It's okay. Yes. To, it's okay to be yourself and to just take take that chance right now. I tend to I tend to be in my advice: just go for it now. Mm. don't go easy on yourself don't try to know everything right now and i find older people telling me a lot of the same thing now yeah my mentors are bringing more softness is the word you used yeah that self-talk exactly. self-awareness so i think it's just a really interesting thought experiment there it
1: really is and, and you know that type of support is what i would call sort of a secure attachment it really is perhaps one of the most healing qualities that we can utilize in our healing journey in our evolution of our soul um, of this path back to wholeness that i spoke of earlier on and of course that comes with a level of safety a level of um, feeling seen and understood and supported unconditionally in such a way that really catalyzes this um, authentic expression of us to come forth And that's a really, really potent. It's so simple. And to me, I find myself being almost really sad about it because somehow, some way it's been really lost on us as human beings. You know, according to attachment theory, I mean, at least 50%, probably a lot, lot, lot more have what's called an insecure attachment style. And, you know, there's a lot of suffering involved with those. And, you know, they don't teach this stuff in school. Well, some schools, but. Let's just say the average person doesn't really understand the blueprint of our relational qualities. And so to be able to have someone to mirror that back to you, to be able to just kind of give you um, a little bit more ease, some permission just to be right exactly where you are. Wow. So simple. So simple. Yet unfortunately not as abundant as it should be not as common as it should be so it, it is truly a gift
0: i've really since i've learned about attachment theory and i've been learning more from you has been fascinating me and it's a riddle too especially in how it relates to attraction mm-hmm. i found it to be really fascinating to notice how avoidance and anxious attachment styles attract attract in me how these behaviors can we, we recreate these behaviors of our childhood these attachment styles and, you know, I'm, I'm just playing with this. I'm seeing this as this kind of map that uh, instead of pathologizing people or myself with it, the way I've been using it lately, just to be like, okay, everyone's on this map. Everyone's sort of, it's like this dial on an airplane that's bouncing back and forth yeah. between full and empty. And you, you want to get it in the middle. And the thing that I've really been harvesting around this lately around the, attachment theory, and you've, you've been reflecting this today, is that asking for what you want, knowing your attachment style, noticing when I'm feeling anxious and I am in a connection. uh, Yeah. Over the type of connection that I can ask for what I need in that connection. Hey, I'm feeling anxious. I need some reassurance here on this. I'm feeling like, hey. Also, I've noticed I can ask. Hey, I've been I've been feeling an avoidant pattern in this type of relationship, whether it's business or intimate. I need uh, I need this kind of support to. That's right. Be be less avoidant because I'm defense being. This is my defense mechanism to not deal with something very uncomfortable or scary for me. And I'm needing you and as a partner to meet me in that, Mm. in that moment. And I can only get what I need by asking. That's right.
1: And for many of us asking itself can be a very, very, very painful pursuit, uh, historically speaking. So just commending you for even being able to speak up and when we can really attune to one another's needs. And of course, within reason right? Let's not pour from an empty cup. Let's not deplete ourselves. Um, But to meet the, the small ass that we have of one another, it is so tremendously healing. So what a gift. And I'm so happy that you've been diving further into attachment theory. And I wish that for everyone, because I think it puts together to answer your question, um, you know, the tools to, that lead you to understanding your purpose. I think attachment theory is a
0: really big one. Yeah. I mean, so with attachment theory too, it's, I think the thing I've learned too, is not to, not to just apply it to others so easily, but to really like first go inwards and see where I'm at on this thing. That's been my biggest lesson on it too. And when it comes to purpose and attachment theory, how expand a little bit on the connection between how that theory and purpose work together.
1: Sure. Yeah. To your point, Jake, uh, it does exist on a continuum so just going about trying to profile someone saying you know maybe they
0: they have an avoidant developmental attachment I've just been hearing that style or what's that i've just been hearing that in some circles you know people wanting yeah. to do that and i think it's, let's go deeper than that into three dimensional yeah. human beings that's right we are very complex creatures so just side yeah
1: definitely um that's good to note there and in regards to attachment theory and its relationship to purpose Well, to me, attachment theory is really a set of adaptations, often to these misattunements, right, from our childhood caretaker, specifically our attachment figure, which um, typically is trauma itself. These misattunements, and so because we our needs were not met in whatever capacity as a child. Um, we developed these adaptations in order to cope with them, right? In order to cope with the emotional pain that arose, perhaps from this ongoing conflict or this ongoing um, circumstance. And so when we're talking about learning how to get back to a place of wholeness, to get back to a place of secure attachment, which I think is a very important part of living our purpose, is having a secure attachment in all of our relationships. This provides us a blueprint, right? Just like maybe you were, if you were to remodel a house on how to create those upgrades, on how to go about doing the deep inner work so that we can construct a new version, a new evolved version of self. So it gives us um, almost some cheat codes in a sense, gives a little bit of a head start around. this this can be a really puzzling pursuit, figure out, hey, what's wrong with me? Why am I doing this? And, you know, why did this happen this way? And I think when we start to, you know, understand attachment theory and specifically the attachment styles, it starts to give us somewhat of a framework to use to start navigating that process from, let's just say, painful behaviors, you know, behaviors that might be more indicative of trauma responses, um, right? To purpose responses, purpose behaviors, the things that nourish our
0: soul and fill us up. Yeah. And I think that when I'm in that, when I'm out of balance with my relationships and my attachment style, I just find myself, yeah, it feels like not me. You said that before. I feel like I can't, I don't get that. So I really relate to that. Absolutely. Answer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, we do the things that tend to cause us ongoing pain. Yeah. While they are brilliant adaptations to what felt like maybe unmanageable emotional pain as a child, really is actually
0: causing us more pain as adults. And you use the word uh pattern on your website and on some of your you communicate around getting stuck in patterns. Stuck in patterns are important. This is I think a key one, right? That we're landed on here is like this is these are patterning behaviors. I find that we bring awareness, we change patterns to them, and, and other tools to change our patterns. But i it feels like this is a great example of just stuckness to where stuckness could come from. Why? Why are all my relationships following the same pattern? Uh, attachment theory was one of those. Right. Oh yeah, there's a light going off. Okay, yeah, that's how I, I've been. I've been doing this avoidant thing. Yeah. At this point, I've been doing this anxious thing, and that comes from my trauma. That comes from this point, and you know. Here's, not to simplify it all down but here's what i need yeah here's you know here's the and th- there's there's a lot i mean i made it sound very simple there but there's there's quite a lot of inner <laughs> work into each of those steps yes and, and and feeling that happens when i go when i've gone through this this journey
1: it's not easy work so i'm commending everyone
0: that's doing it yeah it's
1: definitely not easy sure and is worth
0: it though it, it sure is worth it and that sure is worth so, it It's so important to me to get your message out and to really encourage people to work with you and connect to you and take the class read the book um that's uh i'm all about it so thank you for doing this important work
1: thank you brother yeah just commending you for doing your work and leading by example being a true leader a heart-centered man and man just giving this gift to the world with four gardens and all of the workshops and everything that you Ari and co um continue to to gift us uh, so thank
0: you uh, thanks for that blessing luke and yes thanks to ari who i'm sure is listening to this because he listens to all the episodes and is uh grateful for his collaboration and your collaboration and support both of you on this journey been my two top collaborators and i yeah i'm so thankful and just yeah coming away from this conversation harvesting uh a big smile and an open heart so thank you again for this
1: amen brother likewise thanks for having me on today likewise. sending my blood bless- yeah sending blessings to to everyone listening thanks for tuning in and uh i hope to be able to serve you in in some greater capacity moving forward and uh just sending you um yeah just a lot of you know good 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 energy for your uh, for your transformational process
0: appreciate that luke thanks again for coming on likewise bro catch you soon thank you so much for listening that was my conversation with luke monteleon definitely do check out all of his links in the description Grateful for you listening and definitely look out for the clips we're going to we're putting out on Instagram and on YouTube of Luke uh, sharing some of these great stories and wisdom that he has for us. Have a great day and keep on growing.